This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code, real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with BitsBox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where this dad talks about life, kids, and stuff. I am your host, Joe Shaw, and here with me today for a Ask the Dads edition of the Detox Podcast is my friend and yours, Mr. Tyler Watson. Tyler, welcome back to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the audience is going crazy. Ah, they were so excited. So excited to have you back. Uh, if you remember, Tyler was last on the show for episode number, oh shoot, I don't even remember what episode that is. Hold on, I will tell you. It was called Reframing the Narrative, and it is, for those keeping track at home, it was episode number 61. 61. 61. And now you are here on episode number 71. No, 72. 72. Ah. Oh, I was so smooth, and then I threw myself off. But I still believe in that makes one of us. That makes one of us. No. So on uh, what we're doing for 2019, some people might call it season three. I just call it the third year I'm doing this show. Uh, 2019, what we're doing at the Detox Podcast is you will notice we will have a quote-unquote featured guest uh, every other week on the show. Uh, most recently, that was former WCW president, Executive producer, head honcho, Eric Bischoff. And then on the Ask the Dad edition. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to dive into that as well here in just a second. On the Ask the Dad editions, we are going to have a good friend of mine who is a dad. This week it's Tyler Watson. Uh, and then we'll have a, a rotating stable of dads who will come in and give some feedback, some talking points on what the feature guest covered, as well as any parenting advice that may have cropped up. And then in between those, we'll have some bonus episodes, which is the most recent episode, episode 71, that was released, which focused on Sahana Srinivasan, the host of the Netflix show Brainchild. She was so gracious to lend us her time and come talk about Brainchild. So those will be peppered in as well in between. But the Ask the Dads is really just an all-encompassing show to give feedback, talking points, and be more of the kind of old school detox that you might be familiar with where dads are just sitting around talking about parenting advice. So uh, all that to say, uh, welcome. And uh, it's going to be a really Thank fun you. ride. Yes. Well, I was welcoming the 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 millions upon yeah, millions that's... of listeners, but also you. <laughs> nope. Yep. Oh, no. I think you're more than entitled to do uh, to take all the praise you want. Uh, first of all, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's just jump off the top rope, if you will, give a leg drop of doom to this next topic. But Eric Bischoff, man, uh, 
That was crazy. Holy cow. Yeah, reaching for the stars and <laughs> you got it, man. Like that is nuts seeing what Holy cow. I can't believe that you got a WWE W like Yeah. I can't believe you got a major wrestler on your program for that and everything. I know. Holy crap. Yeah, I was I, that was that was a really funny story because it's like there are so many times just a little peek behind the curtain for those that are wondering there are a lot of instances where there are certain people and personalities that I want to talk to on the show. Eric Bischoff being a most recent example of one of those. And, you know, I have a whole template and I have a whole uh, spiel that I do when I'm introducing myself to people via email. I've got an attachment, you know, like just talking points, information about me and the show, all this stuff. And, you know, I, I, I got to make sure everything's perfect and I send it off. And I mean, Somebody like Eric Bischoff, I would expect that I would have to jump through a bunch of different hoops, go through it a bunch of different agents, because I've done that with other people, and really like have this back and forth and then get it all set up. And, you know, I sent an email to the email that was provided as a contact. It ended up being his personal email. Sent him this whole thing back about, I'd love to have you on the show. He just sent back a three, like a couple word response. Sure. Sounds great. Would love to do this. I'm like, what? That that was it. I mean, and this is like what? less what? <laughs> like less than less than ten minutes after I sent it. Just sure. Looks great. Would love to do it. What do you got available? Oh, oh, that's oh, crazy. Oh, and that's okay. how I knew to use email too. But like just how people just use it as simple speech and just here's a simple text, basically, word that. And I mean, I think that shows more than anything, it's just the realness of what people are. Right. We we build up exactly what you did, like building up that this person is more than what it is because you've watched him practically your whole life. Mm -hmm. You've argued about him when you're in junior high right? and he's just simple, super simple of, Hey, yeah, sure. Let's sit down and just have a conversation because I'm a human too. Right. And what's really, what I've found that's really fascinating with a lot of these guests, uh, specifically guests that are parents themselves is if you ask them like, Hey, I want to talk to you about your experiences parenting. They, you know, they light, they light right up. They're, they're really excited to talk about that, mostly because a lot of these people, well, number one, their family and their children are, you know, their biggest passion in life. But number two, for a guy like Eric Bischoff, people don't want to ask him about what was parenting like. You know, they want to know, like, oh, what was it like bringing Hulk Hogan in? What was it like when you you know, jumped over to the WWE after WCW was no longer in existence. What was it like working with Vince McMahon, all this stuff. They don't want to know, like, what was it like when you were parenting and you didn't have enough heat to heat your house in the winter in Minnesota? How did you guys make it through? Like people don't usually ask that. No, exactly. And that's what, that's, what's so simple. And I think that's, what's amazing. I personally suck at small talk. Uh, <laughs> it is not my forte because those are the conversations that I want to have. And because I think those are the real meat and potatoes. I think people get so fed up and get so autopilot and especially like certain people. I'm sure that he's done so many press tours that he has the already answers already in his head mm -hmm. on the tip of his tongue waiting for you to ask them. Yeah. And for the fact that you don't, and it is simply just that it's, Hey, what is your family really like? What are those moments? What is the 30 minutes before you put your kid down to sleep? What is it like, especially because you being so far away so many nights out of the year? Because what is it, uh, especially now they film something like 45 weeks out of the year or something like that. Yeah. Get, yeah. And so 
a new city every week um, except for Christmas and I want to say Thanksgiving. Those are two pre-recorded and things like that, two weeks of pre-recorded episodes. But how many long nights of just simple phone calls to say hi and things like that? And really, that's the meat and potatoes. Right. And for a guy like Eric Bischoff, when he lives off of meat and potatoes and <laughs> everyone in Hollywood wants to give him a salad, you gave him a real meal. And that's what's amazing. Yeah, it was – you know, he was real and he was honest and it was it was very appreciated and, and – you know, for those of you that are interested in hearing more about him and more about the wrestling side of it when he was running the company and, and different stuff like that, you can check out his wrestling podcast, 83 Weeks, uh, which covers specifically his time with uh, WCW, but he touches a little bit on uh, his time in WWE. But but yeah, no, he was just, he, he brought up some interesting just points. One was just, just being with his family. And, and another thing that I thought was really really interesting to me about him was he talked about his son Garrett and and how you know we've had people like Todd Pipes on talking about how he didn't want his son to be a musician but when his son was like no I'm gonna I really want to do this Todd was like well if you're gonna do it then let me show you and let me introduce you to people and let me help you out as best I can and 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 the fact that Eric was like yeah I, I did that eventually, but I worked really hard to dissuade him because he started very, very late in life. And he was like, honestly, without my connections, he probably wouldn't have gotten the exposure he got. But also by that same token, he was grateful that his son enjoyed the experience and then was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely done. I don't want to be a wrestler for the rest of my life, but I'm glad that your notoriety experience connections allowed, afforded me the opportunity to have like the best possible micro experience that I was able to. And so that was a unique, it's like, you know, he's in one moment talking about how he's unable to afford heat for his son and the rest of his family. And then the next minute he's talking about how he's doing an angle with his son on TV where his son is like locking him in a porta potty and tipping it over. And it's just like, you know, you can hear his voice just lighting up and getting excited talking about those father-son moments and one of them being crazy and one of them being super heartfelt, but all of them being very special and meaningful to him as well. And very much so. And isn't that what everything's about? Like, I don't know about you, but even before my daughter was an idea or anything in that, I started working at my job and I worked as hard as I could to be as good as I could be so I could be ready for the next step. So always I could always provide a better life for my family, for the people that are important to me and for my daughter, mm-hmm. all thinking all while I'm doing it. I'm also like stacking myself up against my mom who worked incredibly hard oh, and like yeah. where she was at professionally. And as a parent, like all I want is for my kid to be better than what I am right now. Yep. I want her to be extremely better from when she walks into her professional life, whatever it is. And like she jokes cause she knows I've been in a restaurant for a long time, probably just the same way as as he was with his son um i'm gonna be a waiter i'm like oh god please don't actually <laughs> for a small bit of time totally fine but go do something else don't right. work in a restaurant don't get stuck in that right. in the same way like do you understand you're about to take a beating after beating after beating and you have to be so good at it that you have to get get america's attention on yep. top of everything else and you have to be this much better and you have to go day in and day out and it doesn't stop yeah I don't want this for you. One, look at me. Look at my scars. Look at how hard it hurts for me to get up. But also, if my kid does become a restaurant manager, 
and owns her own restaurant and does all of this and does it way better and learns how to cook even better than I can or anything like that. And she makes it and does it the best possible. You also want that too. And it's like given that pool that you so badly want and don't want for your kid. And right. how can you set that up? Like that's what's so important. And that's what he, what he really worked on. And that's what was amazing about all of that. So I wonder, it's, it's interesting to me too. You know, you talk about it's, I think it's, I think it's natural that children want to follow in their parents' footsteps, whatever that is. And, and you, you do walk that fine line of like, you know, on the one hand, I would love it because it, you know, I would be able to like start you on level 10 as opposed to level one where I started. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you're like all of my mistakes and walk where I am. So you, here's your cheat code. Here's your up, up, down, down, A, B, A, B. (laughs) Like this is a hundred percent it. Like here's your 99 lives. Go there and do it. Right. But But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I know what type of dungeons I had to face levels one through nine. And I feel like it's just going to get worse. So I kind of don't want you to have to face those. I'd rather you just put in a new cartridge and start a new game. But that game is filled with its own, you know, levels and challenges. And and I don't even know how I started doing this video game metaphor, but now I'm just, I'm running Sonic, Sonic Hedgehogs in my head. (laughs) Do, 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 do. No. All right. No, but that's, and I think that's real. And I think that's what's important because also how many times do you look at where you're at and whether you're happy or not with where you're at in your life, you know that everything before you is the reason why you are. Yeah. And the same thing, you want that for your kid. Like I was joking about where my kid was going to go to college and things like that and doing different things. And I know it's, she's six, so it's whatever. It's a long shot, but it's one of those things is like, do you want to curb her or give her different experiences than I got in college? And then also I thought of all the dumb stuff I did in college and I was like, Oh God, I definitely don't want that. For <laughs> but I know I would not be the person I am without a, a majority of those experiences, whether the late nights or the crunches or the extra studies or the bad grades or the great grades at the same time. Like you yeah. don't want your kids to fail, but as long as you learn from failure, there's nothing wrong with it. I just, yeah. But you never want your kid to have a hard life. Your whole purpose is to give them the easiest way possible without making them spoiled, which I think is the hardest part. Yeah, it really is. And that's the fear, right? Yeah. Is like he giving his kid all of the connections and be like, you know, you wouldn't have had this without me. But also like, why would I not do the most I could for my kid? Why would I not give him the best option possible? Right. And I think arguably too, the fact that he was able to start so far ahead allowed him to kind of run through that experience faster and recognize for himself in just a handful of years, oh, this was fun, but I don't need to do this for the rest of my life. And if he started, you know, on the the indie circuit doing the grunt work and all of this different stuff, he it's very likely he's still doing it today, still trying to get the attention of somebody to take a chance on him. And and yep. and, and you know, so it's like but some of the but some of those guys, you know, they do that, and then that's then eventually they get a break, and sometimes they don't, and it's just, I mean, that's the nature of everything, really. I mean, we we talk about sports and sports entertainment as if it's, you know, this unique thing, but I mean, whether it's art or music or the corporate world or, I mean, really, that's the way life is: is we work so hard for a scrap of an opportunity that we're told, you know, is achievable if you just do X, Y, and Z. 
And the fact is the majority of us don't get that. And I think, I think you see a huge letdown, especially with our generation where we were told like, shoot for the stars, you can get it as opposed to saying like, which is, I'm seeing a lot of the motto now, which is find your passion in what you do and extrapolate that and be happy and also find ways to supplement that. So it's not, don't reach for the stars. It's, you know, do what you can to get as far as you want to, but also understand that that's not true happiness. True happiness is what's all around you. Don't get burned out, you know, reaching for the stars. Exactly. And I saw this thing and it was about now that we're going down this tangent or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was very much like, uh, and it was one of those stupid, like, baby boomers versus millennials kind of thing like that but it was like baby boomers were like go to college do get a degree do all of this now i'm working minimum wage and then they were like well why didn't you go to trade school and it's that it's i think that's that trade-off right is like Mm -hmm. everyone pushed so hard for colleges and things like that when these people that are actually finding happiness not all the time like there's blue collar workers that are busting their hump every day right but those trade schools are a little bit of that it's like that in between like if you're really good at some of those trade things, why not do it? Right. Like, why not make it happen? And it's and it's very much that same thing because I think there's something very tangible um, in learning a trade skill yeah. and what it can do for it. And that's where that stuff falls into place. It's the same kind of hustle. It's the same kind of things like that as if it was an arts or anything like that or what you're doing. That right. side hustle and pushing it. If you're going to be the best plumber out there, you got to buy the band. No matter how creepy it looks, <laughs> you got to put your face on it and then you got to put your name on it and then you got to hope that someone calls and you got to drop cards. You got to do this, that, that people skills and all that's still there, but learning that trade and making that happen is the difference. Cause I think people are just going to college blindly. They're like, yeah. I'm doing this because this is high school 2.0 yeah. and I have no direction. That's true. And I think that's where we're failing. And I think that's, what's a huge problem with a lot of this stuff while those trades and then, Hey, you know what, with how easy it is. I was watching this thing on DJ Khalil, uh, Khalid uh, the other day too, and he was like, you literally don't have to worry about someone giving it to you anymore. This is how easy it is. You pick up your phone and you videotape yourself. Yeah. You can be famous and that's how easy it gets to be. But it's the same thing with everything else. You just interviewed Eric Bischoff. Yeah. You just interviewed – all these other people like you have met and your connections because of the side hustle because you're working and you're doing something you enjoy. You have a passion for it, but also there's still this work ethic to it. It's not just a degree. Right. It's not just, oh, I got a degree. Here's the job. Here's my internship. And now this is the company I'm at for 40, 60 years now. It's not like that anymore. Right. And I think that's something real and I think that's something important. And if you're going to follow something and do something you love, get the trade. Do it right. I'm finally looking back at college and really thinking about going back for my graphic design degree because that's the exact thing. I want to find something I love and I want to do it well. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's it, yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot more uh succinct articles that I've read recently that fully encompass the idea of burnout and and you know the the a lot of factors that have contributed to that specifically for the millennial generation, but I'm going to do a poor job trying to paraphrase it. So instead I will try and find a couple of those links, put them in the show notes. But if I don't just do a quick Google, there's a lot of good ones out there, especially recently posted and, and, uh, and they'll lead you in the right path. Uh, pivoting a little bit, 
this is a good conversation. I don't want to. I don't want to sidebar it, but I want to. I want to. Ex- I want to explore a couple other don't topics. Worry. <laughs> um, but uh, for those of you who have listened to our episode with Sahana, the host of the Netflix show Brainchild, and uh, so you know we're gonna we're about to cover this, and you're gonna understand the topics I'm about to t- touch on. But for those who haven't, go ahead and go listen to that. And also, I encourage everybody to go watch the show Brainchild on Netflix. It's there, and the second season has been has not been guaranteed yet. So the more times you watch it, the more times you share it, the more times you talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. Netflix will see that they will that there is a good response. They will pick it up, and and we we need good programming, especially when you know Netflix is dropping the axe pretty hard and pretty easily with a lot of these shows. So we definitely don't want Brainchild to be one of them. Um, and and uh, if you watched Bill Nye the Science Guy, the OG uh, show on PBS, or if you were like myself and Tyler Watson, a big fan of Beekman's World, or even just a fan of Magic School Bus, you're going to really enjoy Brainchild. And uh, for me, it invoked a lot of memories of Beekman's World, except there was no giant rat running around. That was the only downside, or I guess upside, if you weren't a fan of Beekman's World. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's good. I told her about that. She, she didn't know... Uh, she didn't know about Beekman's world. Obviously she watched Bill. Nye. I was just about to ask, like when you were telling me a little bit about yeah. her and stuff like that, I was like, I think that might be too far of a reach. Cause Beekman was kind of on its way out. even when we were kids, Yeah, like it was Saturday morning. Uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot what the programming was. I think it was, was on, I think it was on but NBC. It was that, I th- yeah. I think. And it was like, with all those other horrible teen dramas that yeah. were not saved by the bell. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I, uh, but I reached out. She obviously knew Bill Nye. Bill Nye is a staple. And then magic school bus mainly because those two shows have both had revivals with Netflix recently, but, uh, yeah. and Mrs. Frizzle isn't Mrs. Frizzle anymore. I don't know if you know that I was watching this and I was very confused and they shipped <laughs> one of the kids away and now they have another kid. Did you say they shiv- shipped one of the kids? No, not shipped. Oh. Shipped. Oh. Okay. okay, shipped. Carlos shipped. didn't get real on the yard yet. <laughs> I just, I really, I was like, surely he didn't say that. Did I miss that episode? Oh my, no, that's like a SNL Saturday TV Funhouse episode. Um. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Frizzle is like the principal now or something. She's an administrator. Oh yeah, yeah, and... yeah. So the real Miss Frizzle is there, but the actual yeah. teacher Miss Frizzle is her like niece or cousin or something. That's right. Yep. And it's Kate McKinnon from Speaking of SNL. I think she does. Oh, a... is it? Yeah, it's Kate McKinnon. I didn't put those two. She kind of sounds like her Ghostbusters character. Like. Yep. Yep. A, a Very much bit. so. A little bit. Uh. But yeah, so both of those shows have had uh, revivals, but Beekman's World hasn't. I did tell her it has previously been on and off Netflix, so I, I told her to, to keep an eye on, out for it because I felt like Brainchild was the uh, the best correlation. Although, full disclosure, and I don't think I told her this, uh, I haven't seen Beekman's World since it was on the air. I didn't even watch it when it was put back on Netflix, uh, not to my recollection. So it could not have aged well, and I could... Uh, yeah. setting somebody up specifically myself for failure but uh you know too late now moving on <laughs> but yeah i didn't even know it had a revival on netflix no it i mean didn't. like i didn't know it was pro- I, I didn't know they had brought back some of those episodes yeah they they dumped the full series on there and i was like oh this is great and and then i never watched it and then next time i went to look for it it wasn't there so sad story of my life 
but <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so brainchild. So one of the topics that, or two two specific topics that I wanted to touch on from the bonus episode with Sahana was she talks a lot about how the the focus of brainchild is to fully incorporate STEAM. So STEM is science, technology, engineering, math, but STEAM is all of those things plus art. And so specifically, it talks about how, uh, you know, you have to, uh, you want to incorporate like creativity or your artistic side when you're approaching an experiment. And sometimes when you're trying to figure out a piece of art or how you're going to perform how you're going to approach something like she gave an example of being like a sound engineer for a movie or, you know, a graphic designer, uh, you know, you're trying to sketch things out or an architect, you're using your scientific and mathematical knowledge while working on something artistic. And so her whole point and the whole point of brainchild is that the whole world is an entire, like all encompassing learning area where we're using all of the steam elements, but we still have people that were taught myself included as a kid. Oh, you're just not a math person. You're just not a science person. We've never been math people. We've never been science people. So it's going to be hard to you. So it was almost like I gave myself a free pass to just suck at math and science and not care about it until like I realized, Oh no, I'm actually like pretty good at this. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's like we're trying to help the the current generation make up for some of the the I don't want to say poor teachings, but uh, ill advice we got as as a generation. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't like to say poor advice or poor teachings. They were teaching with the best that they had, with the knowledge sure. that they had, sure. thinking it was something. But now that we've grown and our brains have grown, we are learning, and we're getting those kids to be where we already are without having to go through all of those teachings of the time that we're okay. That's like racist grandma. The thing she says <laughs> at the dinner table Fair enough. used to be okay. Right. Not okay anymore. Right. But now we know. So those thinkings. <laughs> but I loved exactly how you just said that. And it's been something I've strove for, especially in any kind of teachings or anything like that is, oh, I am not a math person. No, you're someone that you either got told or you believed to be something. So you stopped growing in that area and mm -hmm. focus on other areas that you were either naturally good at or whichever. Right. But the fact that you gave you an excuse, gave yourself an excuse to not be okay at something in this day and age is not an acceptable excuse at all anymore. Right. And that's what I, my kid wants to give up all the time. And it's on stupid things. Like we were at the park the other day and she didn't want to go down a pole cause she couldn't figure out how to get her arms and her legs to it. Right. And she's like, I'm just not doing it. I go, hold on a second. You don't get to quit just right. because right just because you don't want to do it but it's the same thing like you are a math person you are an english person or a yeah history person or yeah you are those people you're just choosing not to exercise that muscle right exactly and it's true you know some things do come more naturally to people based on a lot of factors but we can always learn and grow and teach ourselves because at the end of the day we all have brains that are equipped for learning, you know, and it's just you, you choose what you feed it with. You know, if you want to, exactly. if you want to spend 10 hours reading baseball statistics, great. If you want to spend 10 hours, like, you know, I, I don't know, reading about the revolutionary war. Great. And anything in between. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's like the argument between Final Fantasy or fantasy f- sports people and other nerds or whichever. Like, you guys are nerding out and geeking out about the same stuff, or yeah, 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 essentially the same thing, right? But completely different. Yours is more socially acceptable than this other person's, right? But it's the same deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. And oh man, there was another another really great thing that I thought of and I lost it. So, oh, well, I guess it wasn't that great. Um, trying to pivot a little bit more. Oh, no, I remember what it was. It is awesome. Uh, for those of you who are still not sold on checking out brain brainchild, one of the, uh, and she mentioned, uh, Sahana referenced this on the, on the episode as one of the coolest things she learned while she was filming the show. Because they, they, you know, they give her a breakdown of all the science stuff and, and make sure she understands the full concept before they start shooting whatever segment they're shooting. But this is on the second episode, the germs episode, and I found this fascinating too. They said, like, which is the most sanitary thing to eat off of? A cutting board, an iPad, or a toilet seat? And they said the toilet seat is the most sanitary thing to eat off of for a number of factors. They said, one... Uh, the part of your body that touches it is the part that is least exposed to germs on a daily basis. And two, uh, they talk about the fact that it's clean more often than the other aspects. They talk about like your iPod, iPad is rarely clean and you're touching it with your hands. Oh yeah. And a cutting board. iPads and phones are the most disgusting. Yeah. And your cutting board, you're making little grooves. They might even be microscopic grooves, but they're grooves and they hold germs no matter how much you clean it, wipe it, spray it down. It's still going to have germs on it no matter what, no matter what you do and for the most part. And they said, but a toilet seat, even a, they said actually a public toilet seat is cleaner than your personal one because it gets clean, well, most of them get cleaned on a consistent daily or even like every so many hours basis to where like, yeah, it's pretty clean. And I was like, that is the grossest, but also makes the most sense of a thing you could have told me. But uh, I 100% agree. But I'm Except for there is a part of me the norovirus and that is the poop to mouth and the horribleness of what it could be. (laughs) Like I understand the idea behind that, but the diseases that come from it. And so like, that would be my next question. If you're going to dive deeper into that aspect is like, all right. So out of the germs, I, cause I, I am against Lysol generation. Yeah. I think there are good germs and I think there are bad germs. Right. I think they're whichever, however you want to go down that road. But yeah, I don't want poop germs in my mouth. But yeah, also, no. I don't know how far they dove into it, but I know any kind of screens, phone screens or tablet screens, because what do you do? Because the same deal, like this is this is why, is when you're in the restroom and when you're in like a 15-minute restroom, you can expand and think of what that is. Right. Um, you have your <laughs> phone out, don't you? Yes, yes. Like you're not just – we don't have to rely on shampoo bottles anymore. Right. We're going through our feeds. Like, <laughs> So it is in the same aspect of of that toilet seat. Yeah. Whatever. This yep. is a bad tangent. This is not where. We no, should. no, no, no. No, but they do they do dive pretty deep on the fact that there are there are good germs and there are bad germs and we don't need to sterilize everything because then we're wiping out the good germs as well. And one of the topics I brought up is the fact that I'm you know just now being over the last couple of years made aware of the fact that it's like 
you want to have good germs in your body to help fight the bad yep. germs. And so what do you do to counteract that? If you're sick and you take, you know, antibiotics, you take a probiotic to replace the good germs that are being expelled with the uh, antibiotic. So you want to kind of counterbalance it because if you, if you're only, I mean, theoretically, like I'm not a scientist or a doctor, theoretically, if you only take antibiotics and that gets over that sickness, you are now susceptible to another, a different illness because you don't have any probiotics as like your, your defense mechanism. And so you want to have good germs in your body. So you take a probiotic. So you're restocking your defense system as you're depleting everything. I, yes. I really hope that made sense. I think it did. I stayed at a Holiday Inn recently. So you're right on. <laughs> but like, I don't even I know came... why that's funny, but I'm just laughing. <laughs> it's, it was their old slogan. It was like, are you a doctor? No, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but oh, could have had a V8. Idea... Sorry, go ahead. What? Oh, I said, oh, could have had a V8. Since we're talking yeah, about exactly. <laughs> Donk. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. But I love the I love anyone that takes what you do and your and how you teach and how you learn and you bridge it to everything else. Like, and that's what that stem or steam and what that really does for people mm-hmm. and how it can really make something happen and it makes something click is when you register it to something else. Like, there are moments in my life where one of my favorite bands growing up was OK Go. I absolutely loved them. But uh, as I I played a lot of Legend of Zelda on my computer, and I just had that running in the background. Sure. And so every time I think of getting, I guess you could say, the Master Sword or anything like that, I have OK, I have OK Go, that first album, uh, over cornfields and waterfalls, mm-hmm. like in my embedded in my head at the same time. But when you bridge all of that and you encompass all of that, it opens up so much more. And it allows you also to take in more than you thought you could do. Because, like, take when you you crunch or you, uh, you're diving in and you're studying as hard as you can and you're just so focused on something. When you bridge it and you allow yourself to be open to the art aspect, um, the education, and I'm going to – I don't know what the other words were in this abbreviation. No, no, no. It's but, fine. I know what you're talking about though. It's like it's finding the correlation that allows you to learn. So it's like – did you ever see that movie Road Trip? Exactly. I was just yeah, about to bring that up. Yeah. When it brings up the whole dynasty of Greece and the fallen empires to – Professional uh, wrestling. To, to professional wrestling. Yeah. He's like, what was and the Tin Man Battle Royal again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Vince McMahon was Julius Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which actually kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, except that he was the top dog. But like, right. I don't know anyone that's stabbing Vince McMahon in the back. Right. 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 But but I but yeah, to the point with it's like yeah, you can teach anybody anything if you can find a way to relate it to them. Like it doesn't matter what it is if you can find the way to relate it, then they're going to be able to learn. And that's why. And this is and this is kind of like circling back. This is why it's ridiculous. Uh, to me, when people are like, I'm not a math person, it's like, I think you just haven't figured out how to relate it to what you know. And once you figure out how to relate it to what you know, then you're a math person or exactly. then you're constantly learning. And it's not, and now we are, as, we as a society are constantly learning and we're no longer stuck in like, oh, we are math people. We are, uh, you know, we are art people. We are, you know, it's like, no, everybody is everything. It just depends on uh how you learn 
very much so. And just and what that does for people. And uh, my mom is uh, I don't want to say teacher's aide, but I think that's what I can't remember her exact uh, title. But she works with um, kids on the spectrum or um, kids that are have a trouble developmentally. And things like that um, in a kindergarten class. And she's been doing it for a couple of years. And she loves it. They're reinventing how to teach. And this is before they actually have to get their hooks in on the star and all of that stuff. Sure. And so they just get to learn how to teach them and make them better people. And they've, they've worked and like her success stories are from completely inaudible uh, kids on the spectrum or with heavy autism and things like that to not fully functioning but definitely – more higher functioning than they were when they walked into the class um and just seeing those different things and these are the programs and these are the science things and education wise and how we reinvent teaching and that's how we're going to get better as a society and giving those to our kids and it's the same philosophy that sesame street um came up with and they just wanted to do what we already do but better and wanted to give people a better opportunity and that's what I love in those education shows is that simple stuff is you break the norm of what it is. So exactly the norm of what is the cleanest thing to eat off of? Right. Not a toilet seat, but it totally is. And it's the same way. Um, it's, but it's just that. And until we break that cycle, we won't be better. Right. And so I love that people take that chance on the next generation. And, you know, and just circling a little bit back to kind of recap the, or, or, put a finer point on the finding a way to relate something to somebody to allow them to understand. Um, I was reading my, uh, my daughter has a solar system book. That's like, Oh, here's all the planets that orbit the sun and we're in a solar system or we're in the Milky Way galaxy and all that stuff. And so she asked me the other day, she said, uh, we're on earth. Earth is our planet. But, she was basically like, I don't understand. I don't understand the planets. I don't get this concept of like, we're on earth, but we're not on other planets. I want to go visit other planets. Like, I don't get it. And so she asked me to explain to her what are, what are the planets? What are the galaxy? What is this? And I'm like, man, I've never, I've never had anybody ask me to explain the planets and the solar system to them ever. So I thought about, I'm like, all right, well, what is something she knows? And I looked around and I was like, ah, she knows our house. So I said, okay, this is our house. We are in it every day. This is our home base. This is where we live, right? And she's like, right. And I said, okay, Earth is like our house. It is not the only house on the street, but it is the place where we live. And I said, there are other houses just like there are other planets, Mars, Neptune, et cetera, et cetera. I said, and that whole, all of the planets here that orbit the sun, that's like a neighborhood street. So we've got our house, we've got all these streets there, right? And she, she got that. And I said, okay, Milky Way Galaxy is saying that like, all right, so there's your street of houses, but also there's this whole neighborhood of, of other houses that you can't see, but you know we're there. That's like planets beyond these planets in your book, but they're still part of the Milky Way Galaxy. And she's like, are there other galaxies? I'm like, yeah, there are other galaxies, just like there are other neighborhoods and other cities and other states. And I said, and it goes on and on and on from there. And, but she got it. And like, once she understood that like, oh, earth is like our house and the rest of the houses on the street are like the other planets. And then other neighborhoods are like the rest of the stuff in the Milky Way galaxy. And then other neighborhoods are like other galaxies. That makes sense to me. And so, it, and that was me using the A in the steam to try and think creatively. I'm like, how am I going to relate 
the planet to my three-year-old. And then I thought about like, well, what does she know? What makes sense to her? What is the relative topic? And I found it. And then, uh, yeah, pretty much solved parenting there, if I do say so myself. Good job. <laughs> oh. Those are the small wins. Yes. Oh, but I got to ask. Yes. In her book, how did uh, Pluto classify? Uh, Pluto was not in the book. Sad day. It was, I don't even know why I'm fighting for his rights. It's just a <laughs> tiny little dwarf planet, and there are bigger planets or dwarf planets on the outside of him, and it doesn't make any sense that he would be a planet. But I do, I do feel very sad for Pluto. I was going to say a joke, and then it wasn't really in great taste, so I'm just going to leave it alone. Um... <laughs> Nora is going, I was going to tell you something <laughs> now. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. All right, so... It covered some pretty cool topics. Um, I was trying to find a so back uh, back way back when when I had two other co-hosts on the show, we would take some par- some ask the dad questions that people would email or a message in or just generally ask like I've got a tough parenting situation and I want to know how you guys would handle it. Uh, I have not received those recently mainly because I get guest specific questions and they usually get answered on the show but uh tyler is there a specific uh question or issue or something that has come up recently uh that has either been brought to you or that you've been made aware of and that you've had to stop and kind of think like how am i going to handle this and then either did or did not handle that's very broad and open-ended but uh yeah which i don't do good with but um there are a couple things so um, I think, let me, let me figure out how to say this or phrase the question so I can answer it. Sure. So some of the things that happened, I went, I took my kid home, home is in quotations. Um, I took her to see my mom and took her to grandma's house, uh, this past weekend. We drove from my house to grandma's house, which is about five and a half hours away and there were just some day-to-day things or just like in the moment kind of things of how do I handle this? Like this is that part-time dad kind of stuff popping in and sure. like here's a good set chunk of time that is 100% on me and trying to figure out exactly what that is and making sure that we have ground rules. And so that was all me buying time and this is what came up out of it. So my kid is an extremely picky eater and I really want this question answered because I don't know which way to go with it. Okay. Um, not just that she's a picky eater, she gets full very fast. She's mm. not malnutrition or anything like that. But it is very much like st- schedules are very great for kids and they st- and they set up structure which helps them out later in life and it helps long term. Like there's a whole bunch of studies for anxiety and dep- all this other stuff. Right. So because my kid is so picky, like I throw m- – and she only wants to eat certain things. So I do fall in that trap of – we get a happy meal more than we should. And sure. we do these kind of simple things more than we should. Um, and if my kid could turn into a sandwich, she would be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> sure. But I have thrown away so many happy meals because she takes four bites and says, my tummy is full. I'm done. Mm. And it's not like in like two hours, she's saying she's hungry or anything. Sure. But I sometimes break feeding schedules to wait for her to be hungry or I will stick to the schedules, but I will um, regiment the snack that we would be getting at a certain time mm-hmm. 
especially if dinner time or lunchtime is within the next like hour or so I go, we're not going to do this basically to try to make my kid as hungry as possible. So I do not waste another happy meal because it drives me nuts. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I, I would get frustrated too. The, the problem I run into is my daughter is sometimes a really great eater and other times really picky. And when she's picky, she's hungry again in less than an hour. And I yeah. drives me up a wall because I'm just like, no. And exactly. So sometimes I put my foot down and I'm just like, you're going to finish the food you've got on your plate or the opposite. And I'm like, I don't care that you're not that you're hungry. You should have finished your food and you know, you can't eat again until lunch, which is in four hours. So that's on you. You know, I mean, you got to pick your battles. Like sometimes it's like, all right, I'll give in and you can have the rest yeah. of your food from earlier and you know, it's figuring it out. But, but man, I, I don't know. I think you're on the right track though with like either, like, I, I don't know. I guess this is, this is tough. So sometimes what I've done, and I don't know that this is applicable in this situation, but uh, sometimes where my daughter is full and truly is full and there's most food left on her plate, but she's not hungry again later, I'll stick the plate of food covered up like in the fridge and just give it to her later for lunch or snack as opposed to breaking out something new. Now, does she end up eating the whole plate? No. Like, she still, yeah. she still doesn't, but I am... I feel in those situations, I'm saying like, look, it's fine if you don't want to eat this, but I'm not going to waste it. So don't think that you can get out of eating something later because, oh, yeah. I'm just going to throw it away because no, it's still available for the rest of the day. And if you want to eat snack or, or whatever it is, like you're going to be eating the the apple you took two bites of and said you were full, like still a perfectly good apple. Yeah. And that's why I... I go back and forth. Like I remember doing that same stuff to my mom and I shoot, I'd be like, mom, I'm hungry. And she's like, there's a can of green beans. You can get that. And I'm like, that's not food. Like, <laughs> I would go for a can of green beans now, but like then it's like, that's not what it is. Yeah. Or, Oh, you're thirsty. Do you want a Coke? Or I have plenty of water or you can have a milk. Yeah. Cause you're not getting a Coke because right. that's not what it's about. And those empty calories and all of that stuff. But that, and that, and I do go back and forth, but I also heard the statistic, uh, a while ago, like when, uh, my kid was very young or even probably before that kids get their nutrition, uh, about over three days. And so like the people oh, that eat okay. really good and then eat not so good, but like their full nutrition scale. And this could be fake news. Like I can't, I have no sources on this. So sure. I, you can quote me all you want, but <laughs> is that over three hours or three days, they get their full nutritional value. And so over those nine meals is when you can really see that. And it, I think you can see that. Like my kid will eat some really good meals or she'll be like, this is great and never clear play because she eats like a bird. But she does eat more than normal sure. or over those few things. I, I could see that. I know when we had uh, James Breakwell on, the author of Bare Minimum Parenting, he, he joked about the fact that there was a situation with one of his daughters where uh, he thought uh, daycare is providing – the breakfast and oh yeah and he was starving his kids right okay right no and he was like uh <laughs> I, I uh i wasn't feeding my kid but neither was daycare but she didn't lose weight and she actually gained some weight so she was eating somewhere and i don't know where and i haven't figured yeah. it out so i think i think what probably happened well he also has four daughters all pretty close together so i'm not quite sure how he stays on top of anything but 
but yeah, no, but I think when she, I was listening to that same segment, yeah. I was I was thinking of the same question yeah. <laughs> on how other people deal with how their kids eat and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, my kid's not overweight. Um, she is a little small, but not anything like even when she was very young, we went through all of these doctors and all these all these tests about different stuff about her size and so she's just never been a giant eater even when she was a baby with like she could barely finish a full bottle if she finished a full bottle she was going to throw up like uh, it was just sure, one of those sure, things. Sure. she just has a tiny stomach yeah but like it's and it's and the other thing is too like here's the reverse thing is you sit in that chair and you finish that food and then like what are those habits I'm creating for that kid? Right. Like, yeah. No portion control, no nothing. And like, that's a whole nother can of worms. And also the inability, like the, the anxiety about an unfinished task. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. And so, so and then, um, but I will do the dessert thing. I'll be like, like we're big on how many bites we're eating. So you got mm-hmm. five more bites and she does good. If, if I tell her how many bites and things like that or that, and she's like, all right, now dessert. I go, there's no dessert because you were so full you couldn't finish right. that, that grilled cheese sandwich. Right. And so she, we definitely made that correlation. I go, but you know what? Also, I have a weird kid that's like, I really want dessert. And then she only wants two bites of that dessert. Yeah. And she's like, I'm good. I'm done. I'm like, all right, cool. More for me? No. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I finish a lot of my kids' food. Like, <laughs> I know when she gets the happy meal i'm eating half of that cheeseburger right oh man but i i think that's a good that's a good conundrum because i i think i i well i know i see a lot of parents struggle with how and when and how much food is enough and do i you know put my foot down or do i save the food or do i ignore it or what do i do and i i think it i think the best strategy for that is it's case by case moment by moment and what works one moment won't work again the next day and you got to be flexible. Yeah. And, and that's all oh, man. Right. When you have it figured out tomorrow, it doesn't work. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, I was a genius for figuring this out. Right. No, this is the answer to the test. I figured it out. Why are you telling me it? Yeah. It doesn't work. Oh, are you sure your Scantron's not aligned? Right. right. I'm pretty sure I have the right answer. No, no, there's no hanging Chad. No, no. Um, <laughs> that's a 2000 joke. Ooh, all the way back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, this has been good. This has been good. All right. I want to close out the, the episode, uh, with things to check out. That was a segment that I received special written requests to bring back. I've tried to bring it back every now and then. Most of the times I forget, but I have made it a point that it will be a staple until the next time I forget of the Ask the Dad episodes, things to check out. So, Tyler, what is something that you are excited about that you want our listeners to check out? Oh, man, putting me on the spot. Well, uh, the easy one would be Brain Games. Brainchild. 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 Yes, yes. Brain Games is another show that is interesting about the perception of what you see in your everyday. Um, The other things I would like people to check out are, if you have not... Go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Aha! Uh-huh. It is an absolutely amazing film. It just won a Golden Globe. I want to say Best Animation, um, but it is it is a really good like. Also, parenting wise, like there are good dad moments in it. And if you are a comic book person, there Peter Parker trying to 
teach a new Spider-Man how to be Spider-Man. And there are these amazing, like just mentor moments, or you could call them dad moments or anything in there. And there were definitely like when I got out of there, uh, out of the movie, there were some things that I talked to my kid about and just like made sure she understood, even though she's six and she didn't understand, but I opened the door to those conversations, but into the spider verse is, is an absolutely absolutely amazing movie it's absolutely gorgeous see it in 2d don't see it in 3d some of the fidelity is lost um but it is an absolutely amazing movie and so, your kids will love it too so you're saying that some of the fidelity is lost uh when it goes to 3d is that what you're saying yeah oh, okay. so like because how field of view works on 3d how it tries to pop um and off, oftentimes like the graininess and the fuzziness on the outside of it mm-hmm. that is just a super clean and crisp uh movie um uh, um, with all of its different animation styles through comic book, like there's definitely comic book style from like all years of comic artistry. Yeah. That's a horrible way to say that. No, it's okay. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. But, but there is so much like with Ben Day Dots and different shading, different cross hatching, as well as just a lot of other things. And so the fidelity pops so much more in 2D, and it's just a it's a great movie. Okay. I dragged my fiance to see it, and she was not happy, but she liked it. Nice. Nice. At least she lied to me enough to say that she liked it. <laughs> That's love. Like, ugh, can't put a price on that. No. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So my things to check out, I wanted to put in um, a movie, a game, and music that I'm super excited about. And uh, But I couldn't think of a game, so I'm going to sub it for a book. So first of all, a movie that I want everybody to check out. It is on Netflix. It is called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It is. Oh, my God amazing right right amazing oh it's coen brothers it's western it's like six or eight different vignettes like little short film styles and it's got liam neeson's in one james franco is in another one i mean this is it is star studded all the way through and like it sets the tone so amazing right when it starts oh yeah you're the only other person that i've heard that have actually watched this i've I watched it and then for like three weeks straight, I asked every single person and nobody. Knew Me I too. Talking. I was just like, I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm just no, it's okay. because of, it's like, it, oh, it's so good. I, which uh, one was your favorite vignette? Oh, I think honestly, uh, my favorite one, like I liked all of them for different reasons, but my number one yeah. favorite one was the, uh, traveling performer. Okay. And that this, one was good. And like, like, that was very interesting. Right. Like it was just, it told a very good arc. As far yeah. as like um, the way styles change over time, it's, and, and it's how do you stay relevant? And yes. Like what's due? Yeah. And which way is the right answer? Like, do, just because it's not re- relevant anymore, do you still side with art, or mm-hmm. are you still just someone trying to make a buck? And mm-hmm. I, I love the the final question because it doesn't throw it in your face, right? And when it comes up, yeah. Um, my my other. My se- I don't mean to cut you off, but the second one, the came that the one that came right in second place was the uh, the gold uh, the gold digger. See, see, I think the gold digger was my favorite one. That one was really good. And I just love the fighting, but like I really love the the Buster Scruggs, the very first oh, one yeah. with all the singing and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I was good. like, it was so good, and it was really like, who's the bigger dog? Like yeah. at the end, like what is it coming to, yep. or things like that. Um, but also like the, the James Franco okay. robbing a bank. Pan and, shot. Like, pan shot. Pan shot. <laughs> pan shot. Just fucking going crazy on you. And then the, the other ones when he's like hanging and he looks to his left and he goes, yeah. oh, your first time. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. how many times do people get hanged like, or hung? Like that's not, yeah, what is that? Oh, man. That's good. You got to check it out. 
I don't think we gave away really any spoilers. So no, but, I was trying to real dance around it because yeah. I could have. But that yeah. hand gold one, like yeah, oh, I, oh that was good. Like, it was a whole arc for me. Like yeah, how much it broke my heart and also made me fall in love. Yeah, and in that order, like it wasn't whichever. Like right. and it starts off, and it's probably the slowest start of any of them. Yeah, and I was like, and it's like midway through, and you're like, this is a throwaway, and it became my walk away. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So that Ballad of Buster Scruggs is on Netflix. Uh, the book I want people to check out is called We Were Eight Years in Power. It's by Tennessee Coates. He is a writer for uh, publications like The Atlantic. Uh, I don't know if he's done Huffington Post, but I know specifically he's done The Atlantic. And the, what the book is, it's a collection of his essays. And he wrote them over. So he wrote, he picked out one specific, like his highest profile essay or article that he wrote for one for each of uh, Obama's years as president. But what begins the chapter is his commentary on what he wrote. Looking back, have, he wrote the book in 2018. And so he, with 2018 eyes, is looking at an article he wrote in 08, 09, 10, 11, etc. And he's fleshing out the commentary a bit more. And he's explaining like, oh, I wish I would have you know, written this more or done this, or this is what was going on in my personal life and it influenced my writing and, and the way I viewed this aspect. And it's, it's a really eye opening look, not just into, uh, like the time and politics of, of, of the period, but also just like what it mean what it meant to be a black man in America during those years and like what led up to that, what was going through there and just a lot of reaction and how he specifically reacted to what was happening with Obama and on a national spotlight versus him kind of like in the writer spotlight. So it's, it's a great read. I'm working through it right now. I'm more than halfway done and it's just been, it's really eye opening. So I encourage people to read that. And then as far as music, I want to give a shout out and something you need to check out. It's a band called XO and uh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, uh, their latest release is called part-time punks sessions. It is on Spotify. Now, if you want to check it out, I, uh, I got, I got the, the physical copy of their album. I'm literally loading song. up Spotify right now to put it into my <laughs> yeah. list. It is just really great. And they are, oh, I forget, I believe they're called wave wave rock. I could be incorrect with that description, but i all I know is that the, the music is phenomenal and the vocals are turned down to emphasize the guitar and the, the drums and the music. It's a real music lovers kind of band. And, and the way I know them is the two guitarists and vocalists, Jeff and Jake Turner were the guitarists and background vocalists for say anything back in 06, 07, 08, back when I was really following the band and they've, did EXO as a side project for a while, but then when they fully left Say Anything, they've d dove headfirst into EXO. And they are... We're going to have Jeff on the show at some point coming up in the near future to talk about EXO, to talk about this record specifically, and to talk about what it means to be fully financing everything themselves and how that's been a different experience versus when he was with Say Anything and they had a record label foot in the bill and they were going on these tours and EXO is actually going to be doing a tour here in 2019. They're going to be releasing dates soon. But those are my three things. Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. Uh, Tennessee Coates' We Were Eight Years in Power is the book. And uh, XO's Part-Time Punk Sessions on Spotify or available on their shop. I think they're XOTheBand.com. So, yeah, that was a 
pretty rambly, but overall, I got everything that I wanted in. So, uh, no way, I super like it. I'm gonna check out that book. I'm a huge fan of retrospectives, and it's I love when you get caught up in the moment of how much I, how much passion I felt in that moment versus how much passion got carried, mm-hmm. and seeing the difference between the two. Like that's what I absolutely love. It's it's really good. I, uh, I'm, uh, it's good. Like I don't, I don't have the words necessary. He has the words, and I read them, and I get inspired. But I don't have the words to say the way in which he's inspiring me, or just just moving me by reading it. So it's, uh, but it's quite good. Uh, for those listeners, uh, for those listeners that are still with us, no, the uh, <laughs> listeners for the episodes that we referenced, the episode with Eric Bischoff, episode seventy. And the episode with Sahana Srinivasan, episode 71, those are available on all podcast streaming platforms or via the Vocal Now app. You can go listen to them right now, and uh, I'd be much obliged if you did that. In addition, what is coming up next? Up next, if all goes according to plan, I will be speaking with former U.S. gymnast, Olympian medalist, and American Ninja Warrior Jonathan Horton. He just wrote a book called If I Had Known. We'll be covering that on the show as well as what he's been up to since we spoke to him last year and what he is planning for this next season of American Ninja Warrior. And the next Ask the Dads episode uh, will be following his episode. And uh, we might have a bonus episode or two in between as well. So just all of that to say, there's lots of great content coming this year. There's going to be a lot of episodes hitting you pretty soon. And I'm really excited. And I'm going to be speaking at the Dad 2.0 Summit in San Antonio at the end of February. So I've got all those links to everything, everything in the show notes. And uh, yeah, just keep following me and uh, keeping up with the podcast because uh, I'm not stopping anytime soon. 2019 is my year and I intend to uh, super excited for to, you to make uh, to make big things happen. So thanks man. Uh, yeah, so uh, I do dad jokes on the other stuff, uh, but I'll give you an opportunity. Uh, do you have a dad joke you want to share? Oh crud biscuits. I, I All right on the so <laughs> let me see if I can remember it exactly. I'm gonna screw this up. They stop tell- they keep telling me to stop telling dad jokes. But it's hard for me because he absolutely loves them and he cracks up every time I tell him one. <laughs> you got to let that sink in. I'm telling my dad the jokes, yeah, yeah, not yeah, making yeah. dad jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's better. I read that one. <laughs> I read it. So. It's good. Uh, oh, man. I was making a couple good puns. Mine are just usually just like in the moment puns. It's like when I get them the best. Yeah. But it's not like. I, uh. Oh. I was speaking with Sahana about Brainchild and uh, Pharrell is the like executive producer of it or the creator of it. I forget his official title, but he's heavily involved. It's like Pharrell presents Brainchild kind of a thing. And we were talking about that and she was talking about that uh, she was excited to be working with Pharrell and she said, I mean, I was so happy about it and I had to stop myself from being like, yeah, I bet you are happy and to be working with Pharrell. And, uh, but why, I'm, why not? Because, I'm sure he's never heard that joke. Right. Uh, that's why I didn't put it in there, and I put it on this one, so that way, uh, you know. Understandable. <laughs> late, like many dad jokes are. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's quite good. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So cool, uh, listeners. Uh, I covered all that stuff, and I'll have an outro that hits all the important topics. Uh, I'm not going to put. Uh, well, I will. I'll, I'll run you through the hashtags for all the episodes that we've got and that we touched on. You've got hashtag Here Comes the Jackass. That's for the Eric Bischoff episode. 
hashtag brainchild. That's for the uh, Sahana Srinivasan episode. And for this episode, it's just hashtag ask the dads. But as always, it's hashtag be a better dad. So, uh, Tyler, you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Hey, I just want to say thank you guys for listening to my ramblings. I know I go the <laughs> long way possible to tell this story, uh, but I just I really enjoy this opportunity. I enjoy ke- getting a chance to catch up with my great friend Joe, and I just enjoy just having a different outlook and getting to ask and talk about different things that often don't come up in normal conversations. Thank you guys for listening. Right on. Well, Tyler will be back again soon, uh, definitely for an Acid Ad episode and probably for a feature guest or a bonus episode as well, depending on what we can schedule for him. So, uh, listeners, until next time, I ran down the other hashtags, but please, as always, hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.